Hello and welcome to our second podcast. Um, today we have the delightful presence of Katie Bonner and Ben Gilbert, who are going to share some of their poems with us. Um, first of all, through our really scientific method, um, Katie is going to go first. Um, you, can, you can say hello if you want. Hello. hello yeah. There you go. They're real people. They're right here right now. Um, I don't know. Is there one you want to do first? Do you want to tell us about it before? I just want to sort of go in there and um, surprise us. I... My, no, I'll tell you a little bit about it first, because it's a new poem. I haven't even performed it yet. Um, uh, Debut on Spilt Milk. Um, Yeah, it's called (laughs) 14713, um, harking back to the days before mobile phones. Because I've been thinking quite a lot about mobile phones recently, but mainly because of quite an upsetting visit I had to the zoo the other day, where my friend answered his phone about ten times while we were walking around. And... I just think one of the worst things about mobile phones is that they take our independence away from us. So um, we expect too much contact from people. We expect an unhealthy amount of contact from people, I think. And when I think about when I actually used landlines, um, I remember there was a boy who I was in touch with a lot and our relationship existed entirely through the phone. But we would talk for hours and we would plan those conversations and when they were going to take place. Not we were going to say, obviously, that would be a bit strange, but the actual when they're off of time and everything, and then we just talk for hours. And we could go for two weeks, three weeks, without having any conversation at all, and that would be fine, because we'd know we were going to be in touch with each other. Um, so that's what prompted this, really. Um, yeah. That sounds good. I look forward to it. So it's called 14713. I've never known the back of my hand like I knew my mother's sheets when I was 14. A bland, dated design, thread-bearing its soul in a solo act of bedroom flair I didn't dare compete with. The smell repeats on me, the clean wash of meaningless words, cotton fibres afloat in my tea, meaning more than I could make clear, as it was pressed into the imprint of feather pillowings comforting my unoccupied ear. But we always had the plug pulled, because your mum was quite badly off, and my dad's hobby seemed to be being cross. I waited in place on the pre-arranged date, no time necessary, we like to anticipate, nonchalantly posturing on an armchair's arm, pulling an appropriately unimpressed face at Ace of Base or whoever was chasing charts, as if you could see me through pylons, piling into the dusk, tickling the belly of the sky, creaking with rust, I projected myself for your unseen benefit, until I heard the phone ring. But I was scared, because you were too short, I thought, and I was too and exciting. And when we spoke, when we sank into real talk, the sort of talk I aim for in every late night, low light, communicative plight, even now, not the polite bit, the bit that came after it. My brain cells bristled while we fucked with phone lines, pipe filled with the potential of future fortunes live far away from my mother's bedroom. Life's lived over embers on beaches, tearing pieces from people with red wine stained teeth. At least, We guessed that's what we drink, I think. We imagined hours of discourse without one coarse word elected. But I never quite accepted that you had a lisp too, and I heard my imperfections reflected in you. And we broke a few hearts. Yeah, we did. Left a blazing trail of their crap debris through the town walls, allotments, sank kisses into rotten sofas so that flowers could grow, littered sinewy silence in raucous protest through the town square and squared up to our challenges. Well, we didn't quite get there, but we thought about it, we talked about it, and I fought to think that we did. But I guess it was destined to go wrong, because you were never confrontational, 
and I wasn't exactly strong. Our words are left unremembered, dropped casually by memory. I scrapped a hang some from nearby trees, but failed and paled at the effort they must have got lost on the breeze. I don't know how we made them, or what they looked like when we had. The multiple minutes piled up, teetering on the brink of obscenity, towering. But we don't speak now about anything, because you live in Notting Hill, and I live in Tooting. I'm not good at speaking about other people's poetry, so I just, <laughs> I just really like um, But I'm asking really the completely wrong question. But like, yeah. how do you remember your poems? Because like, 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 my memory's terrible. Right. But I guess, like, how how long does it take you to sort of? It really depends on the poem. I think it really depends on the poem. I'm an actor. I come from an acting background, <clears throat> so I'm used to learning lines. Um, that that's probably helpful. So that that, that <laughs> part of my muscle is uh, my muscle, my brain muscles, obviously developed um, maybe a bit more because um, I use it a lot. But partly, I think by the time I get to learning a poem, I've gone through it so many times, and I've changed just small aspects of it, like yeah. words or rhymes, and I've made it fit together, I've kind of jigsawed it, I've Rubik's cubed it together, that I kind of have an innate understanding of it anyway, yeah. and the journey through the poem, and there are linking words, so, um, uh, where's one of the first ones, yeah, the first one, I, I never knew the back of my hand like I knew my mother's sheets when I was 14, a bland dated design, so those words will be the ones that link together, I think, in yeah. my memory. So they're the ones that kind of guide me through. You kind of go to the next rhyme. And because I say it out loud so much while I'm writing it, to make sure oh, it... Oh, yeah. Because if, if something doesn't feel right, I say it out loud, and then I'll find the missing rhythm, or it's a rhyme, whatever it is, something that makes it flow better. So I think by the time I actually get to, you know, standing up and learning it, and I literally just do it line by line, just adding a line on each time, saying it without looking at the sheet. That's oh, simple. that's pretty sensible, actually. By the time I perform it, and I always do them in the shower as well, I do my poems in the shower, like, every day. <laughs> Not all of them, otherwise my showers would be really long. But um, <laughs> it's a good time to do it, so, so I say a few every day, so they're just there. So I can kind of, you know, draw on them if I need yeah, to. That's really good, I love the idea that they're just in your head. Like, yeah. Because I, I just can't, I, I don't know, I just don't remember things. But I don't mm. obviously try to enough. Um, but, like, obviously, yeah, like when, I don't know like, how long... How, like, how much do you sort of redraft it and stuff? Because I think when I do things, I like so much time is in between each draft mm. that I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't help me remember it at all. Yeah. Like it's just, mm. they're just like, they, I, have to, I think I have to remove myself from it to, to then try and read it like someone else would, otherwise it's yeah. like, I don't know. Um, it depends again on the poem, but at the moment I'm really going through a stage of finishing, needing to finish things once I've started them. And sometimes I'll just write some, usually what happens is I just write it out and then I'll come back to it and tweak, tweak, tweak. And then I won't be able to leave it until it's done. But yeah. some of them, um, I wrote a poem a while ago about my dad. And I just wrote it and then left it and then ignored it. <laughs> and then came back to it a few weeks ago. And that was literally months later. And then I managed to tweak it. And then I finally got it going. So but usually it's very quick. I usually write it. And then and then I'll just sit on the tube and change it. It, it will become the main focus of what I'm doing for the next few days until it's ready to learn. I think we should, we can move over to Ben now. If that's Hello, cool. how's it yeah. going? Um, okay, yeah. This this first one is about the fact that I think when you're, I think a lot of what you tend to want 
in later life is kind of forged by what you can't have when you're younger and sometimes you can get very lost in exactly what it is you want because you want it for so long that you you just it's the chase itself that's important and and sometimes maybe that makes you treat people in ways you would regret and this one this first one is about an argument that I had with someone where I think I probably went too far and then I wanted that to go back again and it's one of those things when you've gone too far sometimes you can't take things back it's called dissection some things you know you just know when a baby you knew the moment you broke out that joint her milk wasn't enough Alcatraz womb with 80s music pumped in carelessly like some spotty teen gas attendant caught up in watching a girl go by dribbling it onto his shoes and that bump on the stairs you knew you knew you wanted someone else's wanted to play the field a bit See how many doting eyes and breasts could love you all at once. Fill you to bursting like a balloon. You need to crave. And you knew when you were at school, you knew quickly you weren't going to get to be popular, but maybe if you were lucky, you would be smart. That the kid knocking seven shades of shit out of you would one day be buying your flying cars or your hover bikes as you grinned through the smug, snug dirt that lorded it over you. And he thought you were crazy and backed off. And you learned how to take the piss out of yourself so that happened less to get your shot in first. You learn how to fight with limited resources. This, you knew. And today you still know. But seemingly, not things you remember asking, like how to get a girl's bra off in one simple movement without killing the moment by mentioning her dad. Why your dog didn't come when you called and called it that day you came home from school and why you didn't call it the next day or the next day or the next, but you went to and you wanted to. And why you called that fat to girl fat to join in. Now it's all answers to the same questions. Your wallet is over there, your dinner is in the oven, you look great in that, it sounds wonderful and so on. Today is about what you wish you didn't know. The conversation isn't over because you say it's over, this you know. The last thing you said can't go back into those cesspit lips, that cowboy's mouth, this you know. There are things you can't know. What is on her face when she turns away mute and walks, the sunset kissing the glass like this argument was made for television and she walks like a prize fighter from a bad end to a brilliant career. And what it feels to know you're not good enough for the first time, what it feels like to feel alone but surrounded by people every day. What she smells like. Someone once told you cherry. But fuck them for knowing what you can't know. You know frustration. That you can't remember the words in your last row, the room you were in or what you wore when she wore your anger is stealing from you memories and sanctity, the right words to end this. And there is more that you don't know. Why you feel the need to be the one person in this house and another outside of it. A show-off, a miscreant, a delinquent, a big heart with a bigger mouth. You don't know why you know what you know. That your mouth is a chasm. Your mouth is a terrorist that doesn't want anything but pain. It wants releases, it wants victims. Your heart is a field full of oxen, sage and slow but big and brutal and when it wants to be, always moving on and on. Your heart is a grenade that never knew what a pin was, an excuse for each betrayal lobbed into every fresh conversation. I was following my heart, my heart, that lie couldn't cut butter. But not here. With her, there is silence, there is explanation. With her, you knew promises, and by God, occasionally even keeping them. With her, you knew what you never want to know. And you know too good a teacher. You know we teach our children to lie early. We tell them some fat little old man brings joy unconditionally. We tell them to be kind to strangers, but never to trust them. We know how to birth catharsis, fresh white flesh templates in our image to erase our sins and lives that which we didn't have the balls for. We know to promise them it will be all right, even when we know damn fucking well it isn't. This we know. And we know how to be surgeons of words, 
stuffing them into soft, exposed places mere amateurs can't reach. Keyhole surgeons, but not the good kind, the no-good punk kind, the trash inside of the place kind like it's student accommodation and the deposits of ghost kind. Join livers up the brains and bowels to hearts and go back to their lives with nothing but the gloves and practice their apologies for the relatives. It was a good marriage, but there was nothing more we could do. I'm so sorry. Practice the reasons we don't have to give back the gifts. Practice our heroes and villains for the casting. Then go back to our lives like it never happened. Cut. We know our sorries. I'm sorry that your heart was a sewer. I am sorry that you need licenses for cars, but people can have kids and mouths without fear of imprisonment. I am sorry there are no lessons, but so many teachers. And in biology, we knew how to tear open a heart to make the kid next to you a little on the squeamish side lose their lunch. They never teach you the next bit. You know, you broke so many, they named a lab after you. And you know, this is not about spite. This is not about redemption. This is not about being able to take things back. This is not about boxes of things that don't have memories, don't drink milk or have scars to make stupid jokes or know what you were feeling when your photo was taken or what your kids said when you told them the fat old guy was in the beard was you that they know for years. This is about desperation. This, you know. This is about spaces. Some spaces are good, some are less. One in the air when you say I love you. The one in the bed when you know you should be and you don't want to fill it again. There is one your physiotherapist taught you. Your shoulder has become raised in compensation from load, but she realises the one she sleeps on at night. There is one in the vase from the flowers you put in. Some spaces are just spaces, and some spaces are vacuums, and suddenly you can't find any of the air, and you go to find her, like she is some cylinder and you have the bends, and you take her words in in thick and greedy gulps. You're panning for gold in them. This is a western. You are Butch Cassidy. This is a western. She is the last bullet. This you know. But now tell me what you know. Tell me how you are arid and what comes after the sun, after the shoot em up, after the cameras are done rolling. Tell me you're not lonely when you feel that weight on you. Tell me how we come to survive this. Tell me anything. When you go back and read these poems, do, do, do you feel that way too? Like, because they're quite emotive, I thought. So what's it like for you? Is it like going back there or? Yeah, I think so. I think it's quite a good, I mean, Poetry is quite a good cathartic thing, isn't it? I don't, I don't think I've ever met a poet that didn't have something they wanted to get rid of a little bit, possibly. I mean, I, I think I like. I don't necessarily see it as just about it being sad. In some ways, I think you can't treasure memories of a relationship or something like that without treasuring the bad parts because they're just as much a part of it and they're just as much of an excitement, the adrenaline you felt when you're angry with someone it changes and it goes back again. So I'd probably say that. I mean, one of my favourite poets is Sharon Olds. And she doesn't necessarily always capture anything epic as such. There's not necessarily kind of this big demonstrative climax. What she's really good at is capturing a moment. And I like the fact that poetry has that ability to kind of fill spaces that nothing else can. And it just gives you that kind of, that buzz from remembering something so lucidly. So I think, yeah, it does make me sad, but also in some sense, it gives me a kind of, slightly perverse nostalgia to something when I was close to someone. So maybe not entirely, if that answers that question. Yeah, it's, just, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, mm. I don't know, I think, imagine, I don't know, I don't know if I would find it kind of draining to go through. I don't know, that's just my opinion. Um, mm. My other question was, um, I think I both, I, quite, I know you were mentioning earlier you did um, a performance degree. Yeah, that's um, right. So do you have any sort of, how, how, 
um, Katie was talking before about um, she called them tricks, but they're probably um, techniques for poetry. Is a nicer way. Do you devices? Literary devices. Yeah. How do you? Do, how do you? Have you done any anything like training wise, or is um, it just something you've picked up from I'm, reading? I'm really. I'm fresh out the wrapper when it comes to poetry. I'm really learning it. I mean, I saw my first poetry show about four years ago now. It would have been Snakes and Apple Show in London. I really love Snakes and Apple Show. It's always been kind of good. I saw um, a guy called Nathan Filer, um, who's Bristolian. I seems a lot of good poets come from there, and I think. Um, I saw kind of little tricks and the trade and stuff that they do and devices. That's the word, isn't it? That's the one. Sorry, that's the that's the yeah, that's the one. Um, but I think I mean to be fair, the kind of stuff that I did is I used to do things like performance stories. I used to do performance monologues. I used to look, see a lot of Spalding Gray stuff and things like that. And I used to do monologues about family and narratives like that. And I did promenade pieces, but I didn't really do a lot of poetry. So I'm sort of feeling my way into it. I'm just trying to take in as much as I can, see as much as I can and, and see how I get on with it. I haven't really got, I don't think I've got like a um, a, a style or a design or anything yet. I'm just trying to you know, learn the ropes a little bit, to be honest, at the moment. So, no, I haven't got any tricks yet. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll learn them. <laughs> Hopefully I'll learn to learn poems as well. That's a, that's a good skill. It's uh, impressive to watch how much of that she could do without sort of any sort of reading. You write whatsoever. quite long poems though, Dan, don't you? Yeah, that, that makes that harder. That's true. <laughs> No, I think, again, it's probably because I, I tended to do more kind of prose stuff, so it's still kind of sometimes probably fighting to be prose still. It's probably not really a poetry format a lot of the time, so, yeah. It doesn't rhyme, for example. So, uh, yeah. I know. I remember the monologue you gave just before she came and did a load of rhyming poem. <laughs> yeah, but I can always accept you. Obviously, all is forgiven because she's here of now. So, <laughs> so she must have impressed the crap out of you, so that's all right, isn't it? I'm easily impressed, obviously. Um, but no, easily angered as well, so it's a fine, <laughs> fine line. I don't know, it's, there's always exceptions. But that's fine, you know, we always, like, I love... There's, like, little... There's sort of some guidelines about what we sort of have. But also, I love it when people do something that kind of breaks them, but in a, I still really like what they've mm. done. So it's kind of... It's just the general rule. There's certain things that I don't mm. like, but not... I don't know. Um... Yeah, then they mentioned, um, I can't remember her name, but a poet that you liked. Um, Owens, yeah. Do you have many influences, or um, are you, are you, is that in, like a new thing that you're sort of coming across? As I well? could probably, because I haven't really, it's difficult to kind of analyse what I'm writing at the moment, because I'm just sort of starting it, that like I'm just kind of feeling my way around using kind of poetic forms. I can't do sustainers or anything like that yet, that's not happening, you know. <laughs> so, um, I, I think, yeah, there's loads of people I love. I mean, I, I love um, the kind of the violence of things like. Kind of Kim Adenitsio poems, and um, you know, I, I probably started off reading a lot of Jeffrey McDaniel when I started out. I probably don't get quite the same buzz out of him as I do. I do, you know, I, do, I get out of other things now because I probably prefer subtle things that I can't quite manage yet, like the Sharon Olds of the world. But um, I think I love these overblown metaphors. It was just you know fantastic when you're sort of gorging on that stuff for the first time. It's really yeah. incredible to take in someone like him who can just sort of do analogies that just blow your mind. But um, yeah, quite a lot of things. I like my namesake, Jack Gilbert. I love him. I think he's fantastic. Um, I really love, I love again the fact that it's it's kind of free flowing stuff, and he, again he just captures a moment while he'll do. You know, he can make something quite sad just seem beautiful and not kind of maudlin or depressing in some ways. It's just it's about the essence of a moment. They're very very good at capturing that. But yeah, I think yeah, I'm just trying to take in as much as I can at the moment. I feel like I'm a poetry tourist. I don't feel like I should be sort of you know 
can't really say. So that. the same question to you, Katie. Um, how do you you know you know the words for the things that you do, which is always exciting. <laughs> it's always a bonus, isn't it? So how, like, do you is it just me? Is it you did as part of like um like a like sort of acting or what this? Like, oh, did, I don't know, do they teach you those kind of things when you're acting? Or is no, it just, like, I, a separate thing? I had, um, I was very lucky because when I was younger, I um, had an amazing teacher called uh, Diana Griffiths who ran a studio in Church Stratton. I'm from Shropshire. And uh, she had these converted pigsties in the middle of hmm. the Stratton Hills. Uh, with sprung dance floors where uh, we did classical Greek dancing and ballet and verse and prose speaking. So from a young age, I was taught how to speak verse, and I was, and I hated it to begin with. You know, this sort of she, old battle axe is what we really saw her <laughs> as, beating out the meter of poem and shouting at you for, you know. And I had a very bad lisp when I was younger, um, and um, you know that was difficult, um, and and but she took a liking to me, and I went to the studio, and I ended up going there for a long time. I think from the age of, um, how old I, how old are you when you start? secondary school 11 I think 11 yeah 11. until I was 21 so I was there the whole time and I learned how to speak I'm a pentameter and I learned about all the different um I learned about meters and I learned about pauses and I learned about anticipatory pauses and I learned about assonance and alliteration and all of those things because we had to for our exams and poetry just became this really normal beautiful thing in my life and sitting down and reading poetry was a really normal thing to do and when I met people who didn't read poetry I was just like what's that you know because it was as normal as listening to music was to me it should be yeah it should be yeah. absolutely but now I realise kind of retrospectively I realise how lucky I was to have that and that we were just in this beautiful idyllic sort of bubble yeah. in the hills where we could stand outside and recite Houseman to the hills and and it was just this really amazing experience to have had. And anyone who shared that experience mm. at the studio knows exactly what I'm talking about because it was a very special place. Um, and gave us all a very grounded beginning in life, I think. Oh, wow. But yeah, I was very lucky to have that. So, And I only really realised this the other day when a friend of mine said to me, he asked me about how I started doing it. And I was like, well, yeah, I've always liked it. And he said, no, 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 that's not the answer to the question I'm asking you how yeah. did you and then I started to think about the importance of the studio and I just thought how amazing that I used to sit around when I was 15 years old talking about T.S. Eliot I mean who does that you know really normally in a room there's all these 14 year olds and yeah, yeah I feel like this about it and it makes me feel like this and this and, and getting really excited about it yeah it's fantastic oh, that's amazing. I'm really jealous that's how <laughs> yeah. education should be it should be I know, I know we sort of, <laughs> I know it's yeah. but at the time we kind of railed against it a little bit of course because yeah. we're all like rebellious middle class whatever but we but you know and, and we would and we're, as we got older and we would drive out there we would try and you know brainstorm brilliant ways to make the car break down and things like that but we stuck at it and we did it and we gave up a lot of our lives for that place but it gave us so much you know I think that's a huge attraction to me for poetry I think I look at it and it's just got such a lovely sense of community about it yes it's yeah. just it's such a tribal thing now and it's like, like I, I think that's probably first time I ever saw a gig in in the crypt in Bristol that's probably what really made me think to myself I want to do some poetry at some point because I just mm. you just saw how they were afterwards and it just it looked like it's so nice to mm. have that with people it's not a big common probably thing where I work you know to be honest there's not going to be a lot of poetry conversations and things like that mm. and it's um I saw it latitude as well when I say the other day and it's uh, yeah latitude's great yeah. yeah but I think I think is I think is what's interesting for me because my background is performance still but it's a very different type of performance mm. and acting as much as I love the community that I come from and mm. the industry that I work in is very competitive. 
Yeah. And what yeah. you don't, what I've never experienced in poetry is that competitiveness. That's a good point. It's very supportive, and and it's people who just openly embrace your work if they like it. People will always come up to you and say, "I really love what you're doing." And it's really kind of, it feels like you're just sharing with other people who have a love of the same thing. Absolutely. And it's so refreshing. And I say this to everyone, all my active friends, when they ask me about it, I said, the most amazing thing is, yeah. nobody's competitive. <laughs> and I think you just, you, you just take for granted there's going to be that competitiveness. But when I hear somebody who's a brilliant poet, I don't think about how that reflects on my poetry ever, because two poets are never the same. No, that's true. We're so, such different animals that there's just no comparison to be made, you and know? I think, you get, like, in drama, I think there's a sort of potential sense that maybe someone's going to take a part away from you or something, whereas, like, you do yeah. just sort of think to yourself, no, you just sort of sit there and you can mark out for another poet, and even in a slam, even if they're up against you, it's like a different it, thing. Yeah, it's just it, such a different thing, isn't yeah, it? It's so it's much more... Yeah, it's a different thing, yeah. Affirmation, kind of affectionate, and just, yeah. I was going to say something. I was going to eat down a train of thought. It's Sorry, we threw you. It's gone we now. apologise. Was it going to be interesting? <laughs> <laughs> Talking about oh, don't know. Hmm. Differences between poets. Oh yeah, I was thinking. Oh, it might have been about. Who's your favourite poet? Let's ask you a question. Oh yeah, I don't know that. I don't have an answer to that. Who's um, some of your favourite? poets? I don't know. The best thing is when people. I think the poets are the stuff because I spend too much. Well, not too much. So much time looking for. Writers, yeah. I, I just read journals and stuff. It's always people who are they're not anyway. known poets. So mm. like I, I try. Obviously, I note down the people that I like, but I, so I don't have a collection of people that people would know. Um, and often I, because there's so many names, it's because I'm just writing and say, "Hi, please send me something." Yeah. Um, you know, you guys are off there. You guys are good. Um, <laughs> oh, you. I you say the sweetest yeah. things to us when we're on the microphone. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question that I heard her ask on the last podcast. Do you prefer performing to having the poetry sort of? Like having it on, you know, written down. Do you prefer performing it to having it read? Yeah, definitely. To reading it. Mm. Well, no, to having it's someone pe- read it. Other people, other people read it. it. Oh yes, with this yes. I've been writing poetry for a long time, and I, uh, the performance of it is relatively recent. And um, I write things to perform them now. Mm. So if somebody says to me, "I'd really like to read your poetry," I say, "No." come watch because <laughs> I'd rather they heard it makes than... sense because of the kind of organic process I just think I write out. these poems to be performed mm. um, I don't think they're unreadable by any stretch of the imagination I don't think that um, but I write them to perform them so for me they live in that world and what would give you a bigger buzz if you had like something published in a in a like I don't know a really famous journal or, or would you rather win a slam or something like that what would you prefer I don't know I think slams, slams are, me, but slams are slams yeah awesome. slams, slams do seem to be a bit it, what I find interesting about the whole slam thing is that you know I, it, I don't know necessarily that it's about it's about it's about so many different factors other than the quality of what you've written I yeah, think mm. rules and things uh, like there's that. lots of other things that come into play in them but I mean Great fun. <laughs> um, but there, it's a different world, really. So, yes, uh, can, yes. I, can we be treated to another yes. one? I, I'm going to be I'm gonna deal with Katie again first, just because we started off with you, and I'm just going to do that. seems fair. Well, I can live with that. Okay, excellent. Fab. Okay, uh, this is called Sunday Roast. Our PDQs are the slowest PDQs in South London. I apologise on their behalf like a drunken uncle at a birthday bash, always choosing the wrong person to try and embarrass. I laugh it off. Send silent signals, gentle eye rolls, to show no support for the gremlins or trolls who waltz through our system. 
Sometimes Sunday families clink cutlery to fill the gaps in unshared thoughts, and toddlers proud of hands and feet flash bellies at passers-by and dip toes into the warm diving dust streams, dicing with their eyes. I hate this weight, weighed down by the need to communicate some shared understanding of the world. Sorry, sorry, I know, it's slow. You stand like a dancer. An odd reply. His small talk sitting the small of my back in response to my lack of stoop or slump as his electronic information pumps through to the root of our localised Bluetooth. But I acknowledge it, nod and bob along with it. Ballet synths and love tap and finished routines with jazz hands and more micro chat that wafts the waves of waiting technology on. And it's come to this. Head, tilted. A slight side smile sliding up his face. For a moment, I think I've misheard the intense, specific judgment of his sharpened words as they hold me frozen, mannequined in fourth position. This unexpected evaluation must have foregone some twist of imagination. My doubts benefit everyone apart from myself. And the arches of my feet prickle in suspended animation. Suspension of a suggestion that my life hasn't quite panned out according to plan, or I haven't worked hard enough to be in demand enough in any other job that I've missed out or lost out or totally wiped out because if I'm white and I'm British and I'm serving fish and chips there must be some Channel 5 daytime movie behind it. And then I see the thought spreading like a flattening slab of marbled fudge on table seven's breadboard, budging ballerina toes and simple payment rolls into obscurity. This man is insulting me. The realisation hits home far too late for debate to be an option. I adopt a spluttering tone, attempt to turn a smattering of worthless words into explanation, worse, justification. And just to aid my undermining of myself, I have now slipped into third position. As the crisp crunch of his 90 pound lunch is quietly crushed by my hand, I tell Kelda I can't understand this man sitting with his family for three hours to share four thoughts and all about work, whose gravy was too much and potatoes not cooked enough, who didn't even smile at the belly flashes cashing in on cuteness early on, who looked deeper into our building site than his own wife's eyes. And rather than embracing her offer to smash his face in with her fist, I'd rather make him trace it back and ask. And it's come to this. Um, this is um, a good example of um, how I am a thief um, and just steal <laughs> things from life to put into poetry. <laughs> and of how poetry can be quite, um, as Ben already said, quite a cathartic thing. So um, this is a real incident. I think, you know, I, all of my poetry is based on real things, but I think they go through a daydream in my head before they come out the other side. So it's like my daydreamed version of what's taken place. Um, so yeah, it's based on a real thing that happened um, and uh, in the restaurant where I've been working that was quite shocking, actually, that somebody said that to me. But you hear these things happening all the time. And, um, and yeah, and then I just turned it into a poem and felt better about it because now I have a piece of art. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's it, really. There's nothing probably more to say about it than that. Um, it is very specific. 
And I think a lot of my work is very specific. I don't think I write general things. Mm. I don't think I write about... I think it's very observational. Um, and I just see things or hear things that I want to write about and then I find a way of writing about them rather than writing about general or... Uni- I mean, it's uni- but I, I do like to think it is quite universal because it's something that people can relate to. Um, but yes, I'm not writing about time or religion mm. or... Yeah. I think I remember you saying you were having a summer of like performing yeah. and writing. Yeah, I'm just going to do as much as I can. So I'm going to be every open mic thing I can be. Um, and it's really about my material finding its, you know, bedding in and all of those things. Um, so I'm doing Banks of the Gun next week. And I'm going to go to Farago the week after uh-huh. for the slam. Awesome. <laughs> um, and we've got a trashed organ with Rob and John that's taking place on the 1st of September. Uh, we're not sure where it's going to be yet. It will be South London. Um, maybe even in Tooting. <laughs> maybe even in Tooting. Good old Tooting. Um, because we're trying to set something up down there because there seems to be a lot less going on in South London than East mm. London. Um and I'm sure there's an audience for it in South London. It must mm. be. We were grumpy because we had to travel to get there. I know, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. We need to, we need to get the South London people onto it because there's so many people I know in South London who would like, who come up here to watch mm, it. So yeah. uh, it's about sort of letting them know about that. But we'll be doing a lot of, we'll be pushing that scene <laughs> as soon as we know where it is. It's exciting. It is exciting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how, do you have anything lined up, or are you um, just? Uh... I'm 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 marooned. I need to I, I need to get <laughs> on with things. Um, I'll probably be doing the trash organ thing as well, but um, I don't I don't know anything else. Sure, yet. you will be killed. I'm sure I'm sure sure it will be. Yeah, I'm sure they won't throw me out yet. You know, um, I yeah, I'd like to do more. I need to see. I need to catch up with Katie. Really, to be you honest. You just fucking just in just, the shadow. She's a <laughs> Making me feel like shit. Anyway, no, no. It's um, I yeah, absolutely. I think it's just a case of um. I think I want to learn more of my stuff first, and then maybe do what Kate's doing. Really. Yeah, I'm happy just to watch my, my, my I'm I'm happy people. to sort of yeah yeah exactly be a voyeur yeah. at the moment. That's fine. I can live with that Ooh. for a little bit longer. Oh, I'm going to do a plug thing. Um, if you if you join our Facebook um, book group, I often post um, information about events going on. It's useful. It's not about me. It's about, <laughs> it's about things going on that are interesting. So um, yeah, I'll put the yeah. Because I keep means I didn't go to that last Thursday because that was when I was really ill. Mm. But I, was, that, I haven't been to that. So that the Frago. No, the Banks no. of the Gun. The Banks of the Gun. Yeah, yes. I wanted to go. So I've heard good things about it. Yes. Was it you who said it? Or? I think it may have been. It might have been. Yeah. Always forget my sources. Yeah. It's not very good. Um, but anyway, moving on. Um, ben, would you like to read anything? Yeah, I'm going to go for a, a slightly short one this time. This one's called um, Demeter, which is the, um, the the goddess of fertility and harvest. Um, she also had a slightly un- unpleasant incident with uh, Poseidon, um, but we won't go into the details of that too much. <laughs> Those things happen, isn't it? He turned into a horse. That's a bit sneaky. She was a horse as well. Been in well. Um, it's actually it's about the first person I, I fell in love with. Who we went through some quite she went through some quite difficult things, and she was still she was very good at dealing with. At that stage, I was quite insecure. I think if she'd looked up Marmite the wrong way, I'd have probably got quite jealous. And um, and she, she <laughs> yeah, she was um, she was she's she, this, she was very good at sort of nurturing that kind of slightly slightly ripping me for my insecurities, but at the same time doing it in such a way that I always felt loved and assured and happy. So that's that's what this one's about. It is in these evenings, the clock tower with its rigid hands clasping at the sky at wisp of cloud, the stoic action hero clinging so perilous to frayed ropes on vast precipice. 
it's falling into space, flung by cannons of birds whilst it whistles in cheery circus chimes. The clues are here, all here. The days are stretching out as the sky burns by unseen match on stroke of nine, as if each one these days great cats may talk or sinew from some grand nap. You tell me fantastic, unimaginable Latin names for plants as you survey your domain, subjects I never knew you knew about, and perhaps you don't, your eyes fill up with those coral-strewn oceans of mischief, the things that first made me fall in love with you. They're changing colours, you're changing whims, so full of plans, so full of life. Even while I slept you would thrash, the bruises still show your windmill legs, no human state was ever quite muscular enough to contain you in its walls. Oceans have meant the world to us for such a very long time, oceans and beds. And the teacher and you seldom shackled, you tried to teach me to swim, the only way I resisted your relentless ebb and flow, your surging confidence. Before we lived together you would come to my home for showers, unannounced, coyly state how nice it might be should we bump into one another, all grins. You lived next door with friends, and I listened through walls with shells, waiting for your rising, the child on Christmas morn, preparing to pounce and unwrap their present, awake before dawn. And most of all, most obvious, the nightmares that I couldn't tell you about. So vivid of some tide rising and falling and taking you away. Sweat, eyes wrenched open, heart hammering like Thor's Mjolnir, but just shadows dancing, and shadows of my half-uncle, chasing his then-love, and fortune favoured him not, her boyfriend on the same. The boat. No earthly desire he bored with them, a triangle carried out by a guttural sea, face blue, battle-hardened to asphyxia, lungs swollen and bruised with water, and so dying for the crown that was last to submerge. Some scribe love is sensation that stops your breath, your heart. No relevant it seems so crass when compared to the crush of organs literal. Michael's body stray and limp, cast out as a boy, no longer boy at shore awash, days later than dust. History lessons. In archaeology, you judge the age of the deceased by layers of dirt, and there is no measure for the dirt on the two on those boats. That which we love is surely what terrifies us most, which fascinates us morbidly. Beauty is terror, so Tart tells it, to which we open the gates to whatever demons lurk at the doorbell. And I always prized that most dangerous. As a boy, I could render maths void. History I dulled the knife of. Most things jumped off the page into my arms, my copious lust for knowledge, taken in hand to quiet backwaters to be whispered and devoured. It was that I couldn't tame or understand that thrilled me. You cave dwellers, you monsters under bed and green of eye and sharp of tooth of mind. You were no monster of the deep. But I wasn't meant to have you. And they all saw it. And I saw it. Heard the whispers of dissent. Heard milky skin undulating with breaths. Every inch of mine stained with you, though. Unable to spell it, but knowing. Leg rested across mine. I felt a thief with no alibi, stealing every last second and detail I could in my mind's eye in case these were quicksand remembrances, waiting for the higher power to pull you back into the sea. It was only in those moments, as I watched you nurture the soil with long fingers, dark hair snaking round your neck and in that dress, expecting me to drink in your detail, making me eat the very myth of you whole, as you taught me, that I came to know that you answered to no higher power, and that you would teach me every quivering indentation of flesh. The peal of your laughter like bells, the anguish curled up like hermit crabs under rocks of your fancies and glistening confidence. The details were your siren song. No object stationary or fluid could resist your behest. Those hot showers? You taught me against all expectation to hope that we might yet cherish one another a little while longer. I think... I forgot... I was, yeah, I should, I should have brought a pen. I was making notes. Mm. I was thinking of things I was going to ask you as we went along, but... 
we're up to 47 minutes, so I think it's okay to maybe uh, stop stealing your words now. Okay. So that's cool. Unless yeah. there's anything else you wanted to add or plug or... Um, you got anything else to pimp? Share with the world. No, I don't think so. No. That's good. That's good. That's good timing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, everybody. Um, I'll put details on the website or something, but do come to some, if you're in London or... I only post London events, actually. It's not very good. Um, but do come to things, because it's... What I, what I love about these things is, because you know when you think about writers, they're just sort of alone in their rooms or whatever, but it's lovely when they all... They do all come yeah, out and talk to each other. Absolutely. And, and that's, really that's what sociable. I like about And that's, that's probably why they're so nice. They're always nice people. And that's why they're so nice to each other, because it's like exciting for them to, yeah. to, to do something more sociable. Um, so yeah, come along. I'll, yeah. Um, people will come. People will come. They will always come. Mm. <laughs> if we build it, they will come. So yes, indeed, it's all over uh, for this week, but, you know, more stuff will happen soon. Um, thank you very much to Ben Gilbert and Katie Bonner for coming in and sharing their words with us and travelling all that way, which I know was a bit scary, Ben, but he didn't get stabbed. It's all OK. I know that he's probably still alive. Um, so yes, like Katie said, she's going to be out and about, so if you keep up with our Facebook group, um, I'll post details of all the, all the events. Um, and yeah, next issue is going to be out very soon, working on that tomorrow and in the future we're going to bag some of Katie's words and some of Ben's words because although they are amazing when they perform I quite like to read them sort of, you know, linger a little bit longer so that's all going to happen and yes, thank you very much for listening and keep reading poems and other lovely word-shaped things <laughs>